When the former king, Edmund the Elder, was assassinated in the year 946, you can imagine that the complications that were awoken in terms of the political climate, that which was delicate at the best of times with the previous raids of the Vikings, and in terms of succession. Edmund's sons were still far too young to take the throne, and so the crown would be taken up by Eardred, his brother. As a son of Edmund the Elder by his third wife Eadgafu and the grandson of Alfred the Great, Edmund would have been no stranger as to what a successful king looked like, and would likely have absorbed many of the ideas and visions of those who had come before him. Like his brother before, Eardred came to rule at an even younger age of 21, and like the other men of his family, was thought to have been brave and resolute. This came in spite of some accounts that he was a very ill man, one who, for the most of his life, shied away from food on the account of suffering from a wasting disease. His coronation came about in the same year of his brother's death in 946, where he was crowned by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Oda, at Kingston-upon-Thames. Here it is believed that the first notable event of his rule comes into play, where he received the immediate submission of several Welsh rulers and northern earls, as well as various sub-kings of England, who had not submitted to his brother. Amongst those who had not submitted was the region of Northumbria, that which had been dominated by Viking presence, and would fall into the hands of one Eric Bloodaxe by the following year of 947. Whilst it is believed Northumbria did initially acknowledge the overlordship of Eardred, Eric Bloodaxe would prove to be a far more convincing ruler for them, a choice they would soon come to regret. It's understood that ten years prior in Norway, Harald Feinherr, the King of Norway, had died, and was succeeded by Eric Bloodaxe, his son. But due to some conflict, Eric was replaced by his brother Hakon, and so Eric was stripped of his throne. With this, he set his sights on England, and the throne of Northumbria called to him. That and the Archbishop of York, Wolfstan, who had decided to throw in with a Viking-influenced rule. Of course, Wolfstan's advocacy of Eric was a breach of his own agreement with Eardred, who he had already endorsed and had pledged Northumbria to. So as you might imagine, consequences were abound. Eardred's response was swift, and he marched northwards with an army to face Eric in battle. But the north appears to have been unprepared for such an assault, for there does not exist a significant detailing of its defence. Instead, we understand that Eardred had scorched the town of Ripton, which caused Eric to flee, and that the entire region was pillaged. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle tells us that during this time, even Scotland had granted oaths to Eardred as a result of his conquering of Northumbria, perhaps a sign of their acquiescence in the wake of his tremendous conquest. We are told, Eardred reduced all the lands of Northumbria to his control, and the Scots granted him oaths that they would do all that he wanted. With Eric's escape from the battle, it did little for his credibility, and thereafter, 
the Northumbrians had no choice but to recognise another king, though they still did not choose Eadred. This might have been because during this time, Eadred had been focused on bringing Archbishop Wolfstan of York to pay for his treachery, that which he was able to achieve in the year 952, where Wolfstan was imprisoned. But in the meantime, this allowed the Northumbrians to opt for another king. Olaf Sithtrixen, a client king of Edmund the Elder, had been the king of Northumbria a few years earlier, but in the later years of Edmund's rule, he found himself being driven out, and later opted for rule in Dublin, where he replaced his cousin as king. During this transition, Olaf Sithtrixen went back at it again, where he'd gained the Kingdom of York, but his rule did not last long, for he was ousted from kingship by the Northumbrians, in favour of a rule by a returning Eric Bloodaxe. Whilst Eadred's invasion of Northumbria seems to be entirely one-sided, there does exist an account of him suffering major losses to the Northumbrians when he was returning home. This took place in the year 948, upon leaving Northumbria, where Eric's army ambushed the king's forces at the town of Castleford in Yorkshire. It's understood that Eadred's army were not prepared for the sudden skirmish, and that Eric's men were able to inflict heavy losses upon the rear guard of the southern army. Very little else is known about this encounter, but it is believed that Eadred's forces were able to regroup, and the mere threat of them returning to Northumbria for a second invasion got Eric's men to put their swords away. This may have been in conjunction with the decline of Eric's popularity, who with his fighting days behind him invoked less and less trust amongst his people. When Eric was disowned, Northumbria came to largely fall in line with the other kingdoms and recognised Eadred as the one true ruler. There's also an idea that Eadred had earned such a fearsome reputation with the North that after threatening to inflict even more devastation upon them, the Northumbrians disposed of Eric themselves. Amongst this, Northumbria was also conditioned to pay heavy allowances to Eadred, likely to compensate for the losses of his own army and to reward himself for the trouble. For those wondering, Eric Bloodaxe would not return for a third rule. In fact, he was known to be the final Viking King of York. It is believed that he met his fate in an ambush on the moors of Stainmore, in a northern valley known as Teesdale. Whilst the details are sketchy, some theorise that an Earl of Bamberg, Oswulf Edelfing, who was a supporter of Eadred, may have been responsible or at least organised Eric's murder, who would have likely been trying to seek safety in a land that had become largely hostile to him. Beyond this, Eadred's reign was successful, that which is often defined by his recapturing of Northumbria and ensuring it remained firmly held within the unified kingdom. Unfortunately, much like those who came before him, Eadred did not live a very long life, and by the age of 32, in the year 955, he succumbed to a digestive illness that would claim his life. In fact, the illness was reportedly said to be so bad that in his later years, 
Eodred was said to suck the juices out of his food, chewed on what was left, and then spat it back out. Due to such a condition, he would find himself delegating much of his authority to St. Dunstan, the abbot of Glastonbury, who Eodred had become good friends with. Having died without marrying or fathering children, the throne was passed to his nephew Eardwig, the son of Edmund the Elder, who was now old enough to inherit the crown. Despite his young age and uncomfortable illness, it's remarkable that Eardred was able to do that which his predecessors had failed to do in neutralising York and absorbing Northumbria into the collective. As discussed, it would seem he was not shy of partaking in raids of his own, those which sound just as violent as the ones the Vikings were known for, and the instances of his threats would see not just the Viking settlers come to heel, but also the Scots, the Welsh, and various northern earls, those who had not recognised the authority of the more established Edmund the Elder. Coinage was even produced in Northumbria that bore his name, revealing to us just what kind of power and influence he would come to have on a region that was somewhat rogue in the previous years. Amongst this, he himself is also sometimes remembered as one of the last true warrior kings of Wessex.